On today's episode of Locked on Flames, we are giving you full permission to cry over spilled milk. Your Locked on Flames, your daily podcast on the Calgary Flames. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Well, hello, everybody, and welcome to today's episode of Locked On Flames. Thank you so much for joining us here. I'm your host, Jess Bomasto, joined by my partner in crime, Nick Zararis, as we tackle this Friday edition of Locked On Flames. Nick, how are you doing? Oh, like everybody else, I'm a little warm. I'm a little, little too tired of this humidity. Uh, there's no hockey news to speak of, which is kind of making things a little boring, but we're trooping along. Yeah, and thank you so much for hanging out with us here on Locked on Flames. Make sure you're subscribed uh, wherever you get your podcasts and, of course, on YouTube as well. We're here for you all summer long and, of course, (laughs) once hockey actually starts back up. Today we are going to be talking about the optimistic side of things, the negative side of things, and just being done with all of it. Nick, do you want to start us off? So I I went to the movies this morning. I I saw the new Mission Impossible movie, and I was just kind of thinking, what are we going to talk about on the show today? What what can we? What kind of perspective can we take? It's a Friday. It's the middle of summer. There's not a whole lot to talk about. So I I think I kind of came up with this idea based on a tweet I saw a few days ago, where it was centered around the idea that Tom Cruise saw there was about to be a strike because the studios were way too interested in using AI to cut costs on everything. And the the antagonist in the new Mission Impossible movie is literally a sentient AI. So... So that was kind of where I got the idea of let's look at this big picture, best case, worst case, like best case scenario, AI makes it a little bit easier for you to do day to day job, day to day work. The worst case scenario is AI decides people are bad and starts trying to weed people out. So that's kind of where I got the idea for for today's episode from. So the glass half full. Um, You and I talked about it all season long. The Flames got tremendously unlucky last year. Uh, Pretty much everything that could go wrong for them did go wrong for them. And they still finished only four points back of the last playoff spot in the West. So even with, you know, the 31 goal losses, the 17 overtime losses, even with all of that working against them with two goalies whose combined save percentage was 890 last year, with all of that working against them, they were still only two wins away from being tied for that last playoff spot with the Jets. So that's not that's not exactly a ringing endorsement of, oh, it has to get better. They're so talented. It's we know statistically year over year, these types of things, uh, they even out over a long period of time. Luck tends to find its level over an extended period of time, over the course of an entire season, over multiple seasons. And, and you traditionally see teams that are really good in one goal games one year struggle the following year. And then it comes back around the year after that. So based on just the simple assumption of the way math works and the way large statistical samples work, the Flames can't possibly be as mediocre as they were last year in terms of the result, in terms of just the pure making save, making timely saves and getting a puck to go in every now and then instead of hitting a post. We're not talking about a lot here. We're talking about maybe five total goals over an 82 game season to win three more games. That's all we're talking about here. That was the margin for the Flames this year that kept them out of the playoffs. Yeah, and it doesn't sound like a lot. People are probably like, oh, five goals. Yes, but spread out, 
in order to get you those three extra wins. Um, yeah. Those are kind of important parts of your season there. And I think, you know, I was looking at I'm writing a piece about Jacob Markstrom and just like looking at the statistics and I'm like, yes, uh, two seasons ago was an outlier, but I also feel like this past season was such a big outlier as well on the negative yeah. spectrum, just because that yes, his save percentages are kind of in the eight nineties, low nine uh, hundreds, but that there was just something going on there that he could not shake, and when he did finally start to shake it, they ran out of time. And unfortunately, you only get 82 regular season games and the offense and defense really didn't have it going at the same time. Yeah, no, you uh, you look at the I'm, I pulled up his hockey reference here. He's a career 909 save percentage and he was 892 last year. If you split the difference, if he's an even 900 last year, they're probably a playoff team. You yeah. split the difference of those two numbers and you come now to an even – if you come out to 900 save as opposed to the 892 he did finish with last year, you're more than likely a playoff team. Again, this is not a ringing endorsement of Jacob Markstrom's talent. It's just if he plays halfway between his career average and last year, they're a playoff team. So that that's kind of your point there. And the other, the other point is uh, you, you hope that Dustin Wolf is going to come in and – be a better backup and reduce the workload of your starter and make your starter better in that respect that he's not going to have to work as hard and play as much. Yeah. And you know, this was coming off of the season where he started 63 games. Yeah. That That's a lot of work and no one is recovering from burnout. I mean, I'm sure he was burnt out and any sort of physical ailments and just recuperating in three months yeah. that you're not just gonna bounce back he started the season uh he was sick he missed the yeah. first game and then the stuff with Sutter started because Dan Vladar got the start against Edmonton and apparently Markson was like what what the heck and the other two things we'll uh, we'll throw on here because there's a lot in the in the the positive spin zone segment number one in addition, Huberto, probably more likely a little more settled in. You expect to get more out of him. And just frankly, he is going to be one of the key inflection points, fulcrums, whatever you want to use to describe it, to deciding what type of team they're going to be next year, if they're going to be good or not. If he is what he, if last year is what Huberto is, and we're going to talk about this in the bad, the glass half empty, then it doesn't matter because frankly, you're nowhere near where you need to be. If he is, you know, three-fourths of what he was two years ago, if he can give you 75 points, 80 points, and be your first a first-line wing and be good on your power play and make whoever he's with a little bit better, okay, then. You can talk yourself into the team a little bit more. And then the last thing, the young guys, and we'll talk about this more throughout the summer as we get a better idea of what type of roles these guys are going to fill, uh, just – the unknown. I, I always talk about the Family Guy episode where you can have the boat or the mystery box. You can have anything. Anything could be inside the mystery box, even a boat. That's where we are right now with Matt Coronado, with Peltier, with Dustin Wolf, with Chillington to some extent. Of We don't really know what these guys are going to be on this team in this environment. So they could be anything. They could be 30 goal guys. They could be a 920 goalie. 
They could be 10 goal guys and a 905 goalie. You don't know. But that's at least something you can kind of project optimism onto. Unlike, you know, if your fourth line is like Trevor Lewis, Milan Lucic, and whomstever, you, you know what the defined ceiling of those guys is versus where you use these young guys, you don't know what the ceiling is. So at least you have something to be interested in, something to kind of keep you invested, even if the team isn't as good. Yeah, and that's really the perfect way to put it. And I just think that the negativity around last season, um, I mean, it's obviously still there, but it feels like the vibes are are clean. They're, They're not as bad as they were last year. And, you know, that's something to look forward to as well. You know, guys probably going back to themselves and not walking on eggshells. So... We'll get hopefully some fun media content from them. And I mean, we'll, we'll eat anything up. I'll eat anything up this summer too, whatever they give us. Hey, they, there were some good answers in the, uh, the flames prospect camp, tiny microphone. What's your favorite Taylor Swift song? There were a few good answers. In there. I was, yeah. I was impressed. The children, the children in these prospect camp, tiny microphones have had better questions than the grown adults. The children have dropped banger songs as opposed to just 22 and you belong with me. One of them said lover. Yeah. Sean Mendez. And I was like, whoa. He said said, that's the best song ever. That, that child is funny. That child, (laughs) that child probably doesn't have an aux cord in their car and listen to a lot of radio. Probably not. But coming up next, we are going to talk about the other end of the spectrum here and just pour down some more negativity on the Calgary flames. But before we do that, I want to talk to you about the foundation of daily health that is AG1. Athletic Greens is the perfect way to start your morning. It is just one scoop in a glass of water, mix it all up, and you have a drink full of multivitamins, super whole sourced whole foods, and just vitamins and minerals and everything that you need to boost your immune system, keep your skin looking young, keep keep that brain healthy. And since I've started drinking AG1, I've noticed that like, I just, I just feel better. I'm not as groggy. I'm not as, well, I'm grouchy. I host a flames podcast, but you know, you you feel a little bit better about yourself and it replaces your multivitamin probiotic in one single simple drinkable habit, just one scoop in a glass of water every day. And it is a science-driven formulation of vitamins, probiotics, and whole food-sourced nutrients. So all the athletic, all the athletes are drinking uh, AG1, and you should start drinking AG1 too. If a comprehensive solution is what you need to, need from your supplement routine, then try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D and five free AG1 travel packs with your first purchase. Go to drinkag1.com slash NHL Network. That is drinkag1.com slash NHL Network. Go check it out. And thanks, everyone, for hanging out with us as we just continue to feed you Flames content all summer long. And this is our last week of uh, five times our daily podcasts. We scale back to three episodes a week next week. So... I mean, the Flames are guaranteed to do something now. Now that yeah. we're feeling it all back. You would think. I, I Again, we talked about this last week. 
I'm still shocked they haven't sped this up to just be like, so I can get on with my summer. Like, you know, the longer this drags on, the more Conroy has to be like, well, am I actually going to do this? What What do I hear? What do I just like? Wouldn't you rather have gotten, you know, re resolution one way or another on all of this so you could actually go about your summer, recharge and get set for the upcoming season as opposed to letting this linger on and on? It, it's kind of weird to me. And I say that as someone who procrastinates. Yeah, no, I am a full-blown procrastinator. But one thing that I find, it's it's probably nothing, but Noah Hannafin has uh, been playing in a summer league back in Massachusetts. And normally he doesn't show up until, like, late in the summer, uh, if at all. So um, he's, he's around, so we know um, his phone works. Yeah, that's it. Again, this is also like inside baseball and like gossipy and nobody knows anything. Like Elliot Friedman did a hit on NHL Network the other day where he mentioned like eight different teams could be interested in Vladimir Tarasenko. That's not news. No. I, I've heard the blue. I've heard the Sharks. I've heard the Panthers. I've heard the Senators. I've heard the Islanders. That's great, Elliot. I've heard these things. That's great. I, I've seen all of those teams and like six other ones linked on Twitter. That's not reporting. And, yeah. and at this point, I'm, I'm so bored. I'm so bored. I just, I need them to start actually doing things because if they don't, it just feels like that dread all over again of a long 82 game season of them just underperforming and I don't know how good that is for one's mental health to have to watch that again I just want some resolution on this so that way we can kind of know what the expectations for the team are going to be the yeah. next year and the longer it lingers on the less optimistic you feel and that'll transition us into the glass half empty I mean realistically Markstrom, Kadri, and Huberto could all be cooked that, that's really the, uh, the worst case is that this is just you know <coughs> They are replacement level or worse players at this point. Like if Markstrom's an 895 goalie for another two years, what they got him at, I think it's like six million per year, you're screwed. You're at that point, you gotta talk, you gotta buy him out, or you gotta give a draft pick with him for the coyotes or a team with a lot of cap space to take him. Otherwise, you are sinking your team if you continue to send out an 895 goalie who's getting paid, you know. Six million, probably a good goalie, probably starts at seven and a half now. So an above average goalie like Markstrom's career talent, you probably are okay with that number at six, but anything worse than an eight, 900. I mean, league average goaltending last year was 899. He needs to be at least 905 for him to be worth his contract. And that's just save percentage. We're not talking goal saved above expected against average. We're not really peeling back the minutiae here. We're just talking – surface level he stops 90 percent of the shots he faces yeah and i think that that's a really realistic expectation i mean exactly that is what he has done his entire career that is what he has been training to do since he was big enough to put on goalie pads and it's just it's so frustrating to think that two seasons ago just absolutely like that's what cooked him because that could have been avoided. Yeah, better planning. Yeah, a lot of this stuff comes down to better planning, and we'll talk more about it. I mean, the, the biggest glass half empty is that it's not just that this year they don't really have big uh, – they, they can't have huge expectations. It's that the big picture is they have a lot of guys who are 28, 29, 30, 31 – 
they don't have clarity on Lindholm. They don't have clarity on Hannafin. They don't have clarity on Backlund. Okay, and I talked about this on yesterday's episode. So you already traded Tyler to Foley. That's 34 goals. You trade away Lindholm. That's 19 or 20 goals. You trade away Backlund. That's 19 or 20 goals. Very quickly, you need to find 80 goals. Let's say Coronado and Peltier combined give you 30. You still need to find another 40 to 50 goals somewhere. And that's just to be what you were last year when you still missed the playoffs. So you can say, okay, well, Huberto might be able to give you another five to 10. That's great. You still need to find 40 to 50 goals somewhere. And maybe Sharon Govich can give you 15 to 20. Great. You still need another 30, 35 goals to be what you were last year. And you still missed the playoffs last year. So really quickly, you start to say, well, if they trade those guys, there's no point. Next year is just a wash entirely. And then you get into the conundrum of, well, next year is a wash but they're also kind of capped out until they trade away Lindholm, Hannafin, et cetera. Once they trade those guys away, then, okay, we can talk about maybe we could take on some salary for a guy who's a little bit older from a better, from a team that's on the, the, um, the decline, or we can go after a bigger guy in free agency, or maybe we can try and trade for a William Nylander or an Anthony Duclair. Then you could say, do that. But until you figure out what you're doing with Lindholm, with Backlund, with Hannafin, because that's a decent chunk of change you're talking about those three guys put together. That's a decent 15, 16, 17 million dollars, all three of those guys together you're looking at. And that you can add an you can add two impactful players for $15 million in today's NHL. And that's in an environment where the cap is supposed to go up four to five million dollars next summer. So you really need to figure it out. And the longer you let this dwell on, the more negative naturally people are going to think. Because the longer you go without communicating, the more people think. Yeah. And there's just, there's no way for you to construct a roster. No. If you're not moving, if you if you don't have decisions, you can't, you can't make decisions. You can't move forward and kind of assess things and see where you want to add players or you know, this team's calling about a different player, uh, but you really don't want to move this player until you have clarity on the other ones because for whatever. But it it's the middle of July. We need to – this should have been – there should have been answers by now. I'm very surprised. It would have made a lot of sense to get it over with at the draft because yeah. that's generally when people have their most flexibility because it's for before free agency. Mm-hmm. Now there's only a handful of teams with like, you know, seven, eight million dollars in cap space. Yeah. Like if you trade Noah Hannafin, you're probably going to have to take a roster player back to make the money work. Same thing with Lindholm. Same thing with Backlund. And you're getting less because roster players are not going to help the Flames next year. They want draft picks. They should want draft picks and prospects, not roster players, because it's not about next year. It's not about the year after that. It's about two years from now, three years from now, when they can start to dramatically remake the roster. Yeah. And, you know, you just have to kind of stabilize the roster for next season. It doesn't have to be this elite, talented roster that they attempted to assemble last year. It just – it has to be (laughs) – just players put them out on the ice I I don't care who they are hopefully they can score goals play defense do whatever they need to do hopefully they're good at their job but we really just need to unfortunately get over these next few years that are probably going to be very bumpy and there's there's no way around it 
And that's the inevitable. People, the harder, it, it, the, I'm trying to think of the way I want to explain it. It's kind of like a riptide. The harder you try to swim against it, the more you get pulled out. And that's kind of what, that's exactly what happens to these teams that are in this soggy middle where the harder they try not to embrace a full-on rebuild, the harder the eventual rebuild is. Look at what the Flyers are right now, where they are just getting rid of all of these expensive guys who are, you know, in the case of Tony D'Angelo, you know, just an absolute nuisance to have around, or in the case of Kevin Hayes, overpaid and a little bit, uh, and just older, frankly. So you'll cut your losses, and you really have, like, no roster talent. The Flyers are going to be one of the most barren rosters assembled in the modern salary cap era by design because they staved off this process two or three years longer than they should have by trying to force it open. And the Flames hopefully can avoid that by getting prospects and draft picks back and taking care of their books now, as opposed to taking back middle six players or second pair defensemen. Yeah. You know, it's just, you can't take on these middle six players and expect to make them that high end top line talent. Unless yes. they are the children of the AHL and, you know, those young guys. But even then, they have probably already established themselves. You might be able to make them a little better, but it's not going to be, you know, you're not getting another Johnny Gaudreau or Matthew Kachuk. So figure it out. Nah, it, it's complicated, man. It, it It's just upsetting. I wish I had more. I wish I had better answers to give our audience because at this point, I know everybody's kind of tired of this indecisiveness. <laughs> yes. And coming up next, we're just going to rage quit because this whole, this whole next season is just buckle up. Get ready for it. Thank you, everyone, for sticking around as we trudge through this very something of an off season. I, I don't lackluster, disappointing. What's one adjective you'd use? Um, I'm trying to think of a funny word I could use. Um, it's foobar. Well, Google what foobar means if you're unfamiliar. Yeah, you're not wrong. You're, oh my God. It's just, it's bad. And what, what, what are Flames fans supposed to do? Why Why would I want to renew my season tickets? That is why they won't bottom out. Because I And I was reading something about this today in The Athletic. Just how can Canadian teams get more competitive with American teams in terms of just the limitations you have in Canadian markets where the tax rates are more aggressive, the climate is less favorable, they have a fan base that's a little more present in the day-to-day, it's harder to be anonymous, and there isn't a clear-cut answer. I mean, pre-salary cap, there was a means of trying to even it out where the NHL had a, a policy to try and even it out because you know how the Canadian dollar is worth less than the American dollar. They had a policy yeah. pre-salary cap centered around trying to make it more equitable that the American teams paid in a little bit more to make it so the Canadian teams didn't get a hit as hard by the exchange rate. But in today's yeah. climate, you're just never going to get the owners to agree to subsidize the other teams, which is stupid because they do that already with the way revenue sharing works and the way they allow some of these teams to just ins- – um, what's the word I'm looking for? Refuse to ever actually push any chips into the middle of the table. They they just let the Coyotes go to an arena with 5,000 seats, which hurts everybody's revenue sharing. They allow teams to bottom out for five, six, seven years 
as opposed to being like, okay, this isn't working for us. You being that bad and having 9,000 people show up Buffalo for five years, that's not good enough. Like, And they let it happen. They just let it happen. And that's why you can't – it's hard for the Flames. And the Flames, especially because they're trying to get a new arena – that's still tenuous, you know. There's nothing concrete yet to get that in the ground. The Flames can't be an absolute dumpster fire and still expect everybody to go along with the province giving them all that money to build a new arena. That, that, that's why you can't fully bottom out. But to, to a fan, this is what I would say. You look at everybody who has won a Stanley Cup in the last 10 to 15 years, excluding Vegas because they're an expansion team, all of those teams had extended periods where they took four or five guys in the top 20 of the draft. I'm not even saying the top 10, the top 20. You think about the cores of these teams. You think about Colorado with McCarr, McKinnon, Landeskog, Rantanen, Bowen Byram, all those guys. You think about Tampa Bay with Stamkos and Hedman and Vasilevsky and Kucherov and Palat and all those guys. And then you think about St. Louis. St. Louis is a little bit different. They drafted some of their guys. They traded for some of them. Washington, same deal. A lot of guys yeah. they had for a long time, like Carlson, Ovechkin, Backstrom, Holtby. You go even further than that. You go to Pittsburgh, Sid Malkin, Latang. They drafted Matt Murray. They had drafted Marc-Andre Fleury. All of these groups – you have to draft backbone key pieces. Right. I'm not saying you have to draft your entire team. So you can't build entirely through the draft. You can't, not every player you draft will have a future in your organization. You need to know when to push chips into the middle to go and get roster players that are ready to go right now. But that is the way to build at least a solid team. The Flames now are at a point where the majority of their roster are guys they got from outside of the organization. They are guys they traded for or guys who are free agents. Those types of players are always going to be a little bit more expensive than they are actually worth because of the market the market price you acquired them at. And they're frankly going to be a little bit older, which shortens your window to be competitive. So for now, as a stopgap, that's okay. But two years from now, if they are still th with the bulk of this group, something went wrong. And yeah. that's really what it comes down to. You want to set yourself up for long-term success. It takes time. You got to invest two or three seasons into drafting and developing before you can start pushing chips in again. Yeah. And the Flames need to show a willingness to do that. Uh, and then just, it's a mess. But then you look at the team's like Chicago just had the first overall draft pick and they saw season tickets skyrocket like $2 million in sales and like yeah. a night and then all, Oh, losing. It, it was so worth it. It's fine. Yeah. We lost out on a little bit. Oh no, but we're making it up here. And now just for this to happen again in like seven years. The you have to. That's really the, the the way the system is set up right now. You have to stink for a few years before you can reload. You have to clear up your books. That's the biggest thing a lot of these teams struggle to do. You've seen the Flyers. The Flyers are taking their medicine now. They got rid of Hayes. They got rid of D'Angelo. They're probably going to have Sean Couturier long-term IR retire. They'll trade his cap hit to another team. They'll probably do the same thing with Ryan Ellis. No, they already did that with Ryan Ellis. But you understand you have to do that. And the Flames, the problem for the Flames is the guys they have that they would do that with, they're too young to do that with. Not yeah. Kadri, Huberto, Uyghur. Those guys are not close to injury retirement. 
and retaining half their salary. And those guys, frankly, have too much term left on their contract for it to be worth it for a contending team. Like, at a good number, yeah, a lot of teams would take Hubert O'Kadri. A lot of teams would take Mackenzie Weger. But with all of that term, that's the question, and that's why you get into why the Flames are where they are right now. Yeah, and you know what? It it stinks because, you know, as soon as that Kachuk trade happened and Huberto and Uyghur were sent over, everyone was like, we just need to lock them up. We need to have them sign long-term extensions. Yes, but also, where where are we now? Do, do we want to be here? They're in the in-between. They're in that soggy middle. And I got to decide. I, I won't use the expression I typically use because this is a family show. But it, it has to do with using the bathroom and a pot. That, that's what the Flames need yeah. to decide right now. One or the other. You are either all the way in or you start trading for futures. You prioritize Peltier, Coronado. You prioritize trying to figure out if Manjapani is what he was two years ago or what he was last year. You decide if you'd rather have the next four, three to four years of Dylan Dubé or turn him into stuff. That's what you need to decide. There's none of this in between. No. Yes, you have to fill out the roster. Yes, you need to have some talent. But you can sell a rebuild. You cannot sell we're going to be the 17th best team in the NHL, which is what the Flames are doing right now. And I feel like they just need to wake up and yep. start doing something better for themselves and no more of this soggy middle nonsense because they just need a wake-up call. That's really what it comes down to. It really is a matter of getting everybody in a philosophical alignment and going from there. Because right now, it feels like there's a lot of conflicting forces moving around. And that's part of the peril of first-time guys taking these jobs. Is These guys have never really been involved in a power struggle before. How are they going to how are they going to pitch a really unappetizing idea to ownership, to the other members of the executive group that are in charge of this team? And you really don't know because they've never been in a position where they have to make that type of pitch. Horrible. Absolutely horrible. I'm so glad that's not my job. But (laughs) I think that does it for us today here on Locked on Flames. It's been a pleasure just reveling in all of this uh hope and desperation and just failure it's fine but uh yeah thanks everyone for hanging out with us we'll be back to three episodes a week next week uh just for like a month and a half i think not too long but thank you everyone you're all fantastic whether you're a first time listener or you've been here for a while we appreciate it Make sure you're subscribed to Locked on Flames wherever you get your podcasts. And, of course, we are on YouTube as well. Free 99 across the board. You can follow me on Twitter at Jess Belmosto. You can follow Nick on Twitter at Nick Zororis. And stay safe, have fun, drink water, wear sunscreen. Any parting words, Nick? Yeah, it's hot out there. Drink water. (laughs) 